This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Rich Bradbury and welcome to the all new Resource Centre, your one stop shop to help build and scale your business, uh, where you'll get to learn from industry experts and experienced practitioners about how to power your growth, better develop and manage talent, build your brand, and much more. Now, today on Resource Centre, we're delving into a thought of the thought provoking world of venture meets mission. It's a new book that challenges traditional perspectives on the role of business. And this book is co-authored by Aaron Gupta, Thomas J. Fewer, and Gerard George. Now, while many believe that businesses should solely prioritize profit and growth, the authors of this book challenge this notion by advocating for an entrepreneurship that is inherently purpose-driven and oriented towards societal improvement. According to this perspective, businesses possess untapped potential to contribute significantly to the betterment of all and, in turn, enhance the collective well-being of the communities that they serve. Speaking with us today is Professor Gerard George, one of the co-authors of Venture Meets Mission. He's also He also happens to be the Group Managing Director of uh, IMU Health uh, and to share more about the book and why it's important to read for leaders and for organisations of all sizes. If you have any thoughts, you can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number on 018-789-8899. Reach out to us on X as well. We're at BFM Radio. So, welcome to the show, Professor Jerry. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, um, this is, I'll, I'll tell people now and let them behind the curtains, this has been pre-recorded uh, on the afternoon of Wednesday the 10th of January. And as as of this moment, your book is at number one on the Amazon bestseller list. Yes, so uh, it debuted yesterday, uh-huh. and it debuted at number one in the entrepreneurship category in that Amazon. Must feel so good, so, so gratifying, yeah. super. Now let's get started. Then, um, briefly, what is the book about, and what are the main themes discussed in Venture Meets Mission, and how long did it take uh, for you to write this book? The book is really about energizing a new generation of entrepreneurs. Whenever we talk about entrepreneurs with a social cause, we pigeonhole them into social enterprise, NGOs, Mm. or things of service to the nation, right? But we want to break that mindset. We want to say that you could make money while doing good things. Uh And that's what Venture Meets Mission is all about. It's centralizing what our impact is in how we think about the venture and entrepreneurship process itself. It's taken us about two and a half years to do the research. Uh, The publisher is Stanford University Press, so they made sure that the academic rigor was there and the societal relevance as well. Uh-huh. So you couldn't just fob it off and, you know. Uh, uh, I, I don't even wish I could do that. So I'm glad we spent the time to yeah, get good, it all right. Why, why this particular topic, though? I mean, there are other uh, books on this, a similar topic, uh, books on mission or purpose-driven businesses. Why did you choose this particular topic now? And how does the book differ from those others that are out there? And what gaps do you think that you fill? There are two key differences, right? The first is 
The book talks about mission, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of books out there that talk about purpose. But if you think about purpose, it's what I call value and values agnostic. Your purpose could just be about making money, fending for my family and taking yeah. care of stuff. That yeah. could be your purpose. Yeah. But mission is something different. It's about collective good, making the world better, mm-hmm. right? So I'm shifting the conversation from purpose to mission, right? That's first. Mm. The second is really about rethinking how we partner with governments. If you really think about it, true impact comes because we're able to scale the effort or scale the impact. How do we touch everybody's lives? Mm. And that is done by government, the Mm. scale of government. Mm. So for us, Venture Meets Mission is about harnessing the power of entrepreneurship with the scale of government. Putting those together creates that magical combination about having impact at scale. Let me ask you something that isn't on our question notes here. Why is this so important to you personally? So so if you think about it, uh, I'm an academic. My background has been I've been dean at Singapore, dean at Imperial College in London, went as professor at Georgetown University. And when, when I got this idea that... Purpose, individual purpose is important, Mm. but it stops short of having true impact. Mm. So for me, it is important to move from the idealism of purpose to the action of impact. And that's why this book comes about. Great answer. Now, is the book written on uh, current data and statistics? Uh, Can you talk and and maybe talk to me a little bit about uh, the sources that you referred to? So absolutely. So we started working on this book towards the end of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. That's about 2021. Mm. Um, COVID started uh, sort of questioned our our assumptions about why and what we do things in our careers and our jobs and so forth, right? Uh, So that, along with Arun and Tom, uh, who are my co-authors, we started thinking about, you know, the world has changed. Trust in society is broken. And we need to figure out a way to rebuild that trust. Right. Mm. And so we started collecting data on how uh, trust is manifest in society, how governments work with entrepreneurs, and how do they repair trust in communities. And what we found is this, is that... Communities where entrepreneurs take active roles in, in, in shaping and building and regenerating their communities do so with the blessing and partnership with governments. And they do a fantastic job. Mm. So for us, we take that as examples and case studies across different industries, uh, different business models, and we want to play it out. And we wanted to show that everyday entrepreneurs are making a big difference. So it's not just about the Googles or the open AIs of the world, but it's about those ventures that can make a difference on an everyday basis. And often, you know, it, it was those were some of the more interesting interviews that I had during the pandemic as well. It was these smaller, more local, community-driven entrepreneurs that, for me, resonated much more impactful than some of the bigger entrepreneurs that I was speaking to. You know, it was the lady who was making the cakes. It was the lady who was baking buns because she could provide for her community. And I felt that was something that had been missing for so long. Yeah. So, yeah. so... We, we take that one level up, Richard. We, 
the the person who does that at that community level does not necessarily have scale, mm. it, but it does have meaning and purpose in their yes, lives, yes. right? So now, how do we layer that to scale, mm. right? How can we impact? all Malaysians rather mm. than thinking about just my community. Mm. And for that, we need the government to rethink how it works with enterprise yep. or entrepreneurs more generically. Yeah. With that in mind then, how does this book illustrate that relationship between entrepreneurs and, and, and the government? Can you share some examples with me? Yeah. So, so um, let it, the role of government comes across in four or five different ways, right? So you talk about government as uh, enablers, mm. right? The first is government as enabler of trust. Then you think of government as orchestrator of mission, right? And we talk about each of these with examples. And then we talk about gov government as developer of talent, mobilizer of capital, and procurer of value. Mm. Most of the times we focus on the procurement side. How can the government buy something from us on a contract and that, that helps my business and therefore I can grow up? Yeah. But that's not enough. Yeah. We have to think about this as government as part of an ecosystem where it actually helps others flourish, right? Mm -hmm. So that's our focus in, in that. And we've got several examples across sectors. So let me give you uh, a few examples. Um, one of the case studies in our book is a company called Everfi. And Everfi is an American company, and it works with primary school education, right? And, and it doesn't substitute the curriculum for primary school education itself. Instead, it works as in parallel to develop soft skills in things like financial awareness, uh, how do people plan for um, uh, you, you know, for kids themselves, thinking about what skills do I need, what should I, right, building their own yeah. soft skills and so forth. So what it works is, instead of thinking of a business as trying to substitute what's going on, you think about how can I add to what's going on that makes it work, mm -hmm. right? So you work with local governments, local communities in, in rethinking the curriculum. How do I uh, supplement so that we can actually put kids in a better place? Um, at a larger scale, you can think of, for example, uh, SpaceX, right? You, you think of SpaceX as revolutionizing space uh, transport, mm -hmm. satellites, and everything else. Why? Because it changed the cost dynamics within that. Now, if I asked you, how much does it cost to send a satellite up, you, what do you think it'll be? What millions, you, multiple, hundreds of millions. It's probably one and a half to two million. Uh -huh. That's it, US right. dollars. Right. Right. So the cost has become so low that now, if I want to build a business around remote sensing of data, so I can track, let's say, deforestation in Sabah and palm oil plantations, or if I want to track uh, ocean level rise to predict hurricanes, so that I'm an insurance company, mm. I want to model what the commodity prices of peanuts or rice is going to be in a few years' time. Uh, so I can do all of that now because the costs have changed. So, so what's t uh, made a big difference is technology has come into place that allows us to rethink how entrepreneurs can engage in what I call common good problems. Earlier, it was very difficult. Um, Eleanor Ostrom, professor, got her Nobel Prize in economics for what you call common pool resources, right? Things like 
water, land, air, the quality of air we breathe, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's a public good. It's a common good. Earlier, we couldn't make money out of that. So it became an NGO or a social enterprise that took that on. But now we've got technology and new financial models that allow us to do it. So we see ventures, for example, working with governments on ocean cleanup. We've got ventures working with governments on figuring out uh, forestry and, and uh, uh, movement and migration patterns and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the world has changed. Technology has changed. But our fundamental idea of what entrepreneurship is and government is seems to be in polar opposites. Mm. And that's why we think the book is there to say we need to rebuild that trust in society. We need to bring entrepreneurship and government closer together along with civil society. Hold that thought. Tell us what you think, folks, here on our WhatsApp, on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. You can get us on X at BFM Radio. I'm speaking with Professor Gerard George, co-author of Venture Meets Mission, to share more about the book and why it's important read for leaders and organizations of all sizes. I'm Rich Bradbury. Of course, this is Resource Center, your one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to build, scale, and manage your business. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Backing female ministers. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Resource Center, the one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. I'm speaking with Professor Gerard George, Professor Jerry, uh, as I like to call him, the co-author of Venture Meets Mission. Uh, he's sharing about the book and why it's an important read for leaders and organization of all sizes. Um, Jerry, what about examples of successful collaborations between the private sector and government? Can you give me some of those? I'll take global examples. Um, Let's take, for example, the celebrated chef, uh, uh, Jose Andres. He started this company called World Central Kitchen. Mm. When Haiti had the hurricanes and there was devastation and disaster, he was the first in to figure out not to substitute how the governments react, but to supplement and say, how can we get food to people in disaster Mm. communities, Mm. right, who are devastated by that disaster? And why was that required? Is because um, FEMA, which is the emergency management uh, agency or the UN agencies, have a playbook. So every time a disaster happens, they roll out that playbook. And they have to stick to it. They have to stick to it. But, you know, each disaster is different. Mm. Each community is different. Mm. So what you have are private players who become very, very good, like Well Central Kitchen, to work with local communities using local resources to develop local resilience, Mm. right? Mm. So that's an example of a venture, a private entity working with government to solve an immediate pressing problem. Mm. I'll give you another example. We've just been through the pandemic. We've still got scars from it. The cost of if you were to be naughty and some countries are naughty and they want to develop a bad uh, germ, a germ or something yeah, or like or that. Virus or virus something. or something, yeah. right? Yeah. It costs only 200,000 US dollars mm. to do it. Yeah. 
But once it's out in the community, it takes about billions to fix it, mm. right? Mm. So we needed a model in, you can call this biosecurity or uh, resilience in healthcare systems and so forth. We needed a model where we can develop vaccines fast and at a low cost. Because what we've learned coming through the pandemic is that this is not going to be the last pandemic that we've suffered. And we have to be much more agile, adept at responding yeah. to these sort of viruses that are likely to come up, yeah. especially when people can deploy it uh, maliciously. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a company called National Resilience, for example, raises about $2 billion right at the get-go with the simple idea we're going to develop low-cost vaccines and create that surge capacity for governments to develop vaccines. Fantastic. Now, um, this idea of mission-driven entrepreneurship, you, you kind of briefly touched on it at the beginning, but that concept, can you define it for me and tell me how it's explored a little bit further in the book? I'm planting little seeds so people are going to go out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, mission is about collective good. Yeah. Right. And I talked about common pool resources where we think about what are resources that we all share and that we need to protect. Mm. Right. The air we breathe mm. and so forth. Here, technology can play a huge part. So technology can be digital, but it can also be science based. Right. I talked about finding low cost models for vaccine development. We can also talk about agri-tech, mm. we, where we can figure out how much water plants need. Or uh, one of our biggest challenges in agriculture now is that we talk about the birds and bees doing their business. The bees are not doing their business. Right. right? So we have to figure out ways in which we pollinate plants, we manage yield in agriculture, and all of this using robotic technologies, mm -hmm. right? which is a completely new thing for us. Mm. And so that's where you can see how ventures come in, in areas where, that we typically thought are public good problems. How do I care about pollination as, as a problem, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so now we, we can see all of these ventures coming in with technology. Mm. Of course, we've got technology which can be digital, such as uh, AI in consumer fraud detection and financial technologies of fintech companies, mm. right? Mm. But that's also a venture mm. uh, where there is mission. Mm. So when the Ukraine war was... Um, started off, and all the Russian companies were moving money across across the world. Uh, the U.S. and its Western allies started deploying private entities to track fraud yeah. and how money's moved through this world system. Yeah. And you then think about how can you harness the power of technology, harness the power of enterprise to solve a big problem? Mm. How can we stop drug money? Mm sex trafficking, mm. all of this illicit sort of activity, money flows through our system. Mm. And we should be able to track it, to stop it, if we want to really remove the scourge mm. from our societies. I've had some really interesting discussions. One, just referring back to agriculture, for example, and agri-tech, um, farmers out in the breadbasket of Malaysia, you know, who have been growing fruit for generations in a particular way. 
and I've spoken to entrepreneurs here, local entrepreneurs, you know, who are tech driven and have gone to these on, these farmers and said, look, I can help your yield uh, by doing X, Y and Z. And these farmers have been like, no, you know, I've been doing it this way for hundreds of years. We don't want to change. I'm sure in the course of your research of this book, you have encountered that kind of discussion, right? That's right. That's right. So so there are behavioral challenges, mm. whether it comes from the farmer who's a consumer, uh, who's the consumer of this technology, or from even from governments wanting to try out new technologies yeah. to solve these problems, yeah. right? But the reality is the more pressing the problem becomes and the lack of solutions that are there, then farmers or governments will need to experiment, mm -mm. right? And we are at that cusp of that stage now yeah. where we're thinking our traditional models of how we think of common good problems aren't working. Yeah. And so we need a new model that would bring us together to work on this. One piece that I left out, I talked about the power of enterprise, the scale of government, but I didn't talk about the other third part, which is civil society. Mm. That's you and me, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have to think about how we train, for example, our students to think more entrepreneurially, think more adaptably, and think that a stint in government is, is as good as stint in private enterprise mm. and to shift between the two. Mm. So we have to rethink how we think of careers yeah. And and be a bit more open in how we build our own careers and what we consider success. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just want to ask you one quick question just before we jump into another break. When you talk about um, challenges when it comes to social and economic inequality, explain to me how you explore that within the book as well. Really, the book is about making an impact. Yeah. Right? You can't have a fairer, better society if not all parts of society benefit from entrepreneurship. Right? Yeah. And that's the fundamental basis. And with that, then you sort of say, can we have technologies, can we have entrepreneurial opportunities that improve access to education, to opportunities, right? Mm. Like employment. Mm. And so you can create models or business models around these, right? So we explore in our book several such business models where you can improve communities and have a venture meets mission sort of agenda. Mm. Okay, let's take a short break. Folks, of course, you are listening to me and Professor Gerard George, the co-author of Venture Meets Mission, uh, sharing more about the book and why it's an important read for leaders and organizations of all sizes. You are on Resource Center. It's a one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. We're right back here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. Of course, I'm still in the studio with Professor Jerry George. Uh, now, when we're speaking about the book, of course, Venture Meets Mission. Uh, I shouldn't forget about that, Jerry, right? Now, what strategies does the book suggest for entrepreneurs to effectively collaborate with the government and other stakeholders? Let's, let's hit that straight away. Before we jump into the specific strategies, mm. I think the premise is this, that you have to understand mission, mm -hmm. right? 
And mission for you is different from mission from government. Yes. Right. So <laughs> I'm hoping so. <laughs> that's right. So, so, but at a fundamental level, we don't necessarily understand that. Mm, mm. Right. And the book itself is centered around this idea that mission multiplies profit. Right. Yeah. Right. That we can actually all do better by focusing on mission. Mm. Right. And our first strategy that we think of is learn the language of government. Mm. A language of entrepreneurship. There'll be people out there right now who are like, you know. Mm. <laughs> the language of entrepreneurship is very different. Yeah. yeah. The language of government is very different. Yeah. Right? Uh, nobody died if Candy Crush 3.0 failed on your <laughs> on your <laughs> on your phone, right? Might uh, be a few complaints. Go, might yeah. be a few complaints, yeah, yeah. but the mission of government is different. Yeah. People do die, yeah. yeah. People do suffer, and people. But can people can also do very well and flourish mm. because we do a better job, mm. right? Mm. So understand mission, learn the language of government. That means figure out what's important. How they, how they articulate what's important and a timeline in which they're important. Mm. So we think of each of these and say, what are the strategies that ventures have used to address each of these, right? So it, it, we, we can think of other sort of strategies, but I think the first simple one that I'd say, uh, and I should leave others to read the book to get more, uh, we, we say build the easy button. Government has lots of problems, mm. right? If you have a solution as an entrepreneur, go to government to sort of say, boss, your problem here, I'll figure out how to solve it. Mm. So you want to build an easy button. It's a metaphorical easy button where the government can just press that button and that problem is of solved course, for because, them. because for them, it helps, you know. That's right. Yeah. So instead of you trying to sell a product that the government should buy, Flip the question to sort of say, what problems does the government have that I can build the easy button for? Yeah, yeah. Right? That's uh, the starting point. It's a win-win uh, situation. Right. How, okay, when speaking about government, Jerry, you know, th th there's, and it, depending on where you live, um, not everybody trusts government, right? And we know that. And, Living here in Malaysia, that's, it's been a big thing over the, the years. You know, governments rise, they fall. We have politicians come, they go. And, and people have this idea of th there's a trust deficit. You know, and I, I, I would argue that that deficit is becoming less and less. But how do you propose to overcome that trust deficit when, it look, when we look at society, business, and government? Yeah. This is a hugely important problem. Mm not just in Malaysia, but everywhere around yeah. the world, right? Yeah. So we are, uh, this year has so many elections going on around the world, that, and it puts that idea to the test. Our premise is this, is that a government is different from politics. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so we have to think of some stability and continuity in government policy. Mm, mm. And how, more importantly, was the execution of that policy over time, mm. right? Some countries do a much better job of this than others, mm. right? But to have that foresight to then think, how can governments be an orchestrator of mission, for example, right? So it's not telling you should do this and that, right? Not being prescriptive but to figure out how they bring people together. So in other words, they become conveners and to harness the power of entrepreneurship. Mm. And then we talk about strategies that government can do. How do you recognize success, right? Mm. 
uh, in the on government's role as a mobilizer of capital. Um, you know, government policies now say, okay, we're going to fund uh, ventures to do some things, right? But actually, that might not be the right idea. Mm. You don't want to compete with private capital like mm. the VCs and private equity folks, right? Or jumping, angel investors. And jumping on the zeitgeist might not necessarily be the right thing. That's right. Yeah. So, so what we want governments to do is to effectively point the North Star, saying that over the next 10 years, this is the direction we are going mm. in areas such as health, agriculture, uh, technology pathways. Yeah. So once you know where the government is going, then successive governments in terms of changing political parties does not matter as much. Right. Right. So it's to identify that direction and then say, uh, if we're going in that direction, then it's easier for us to develop and implement policies mm, mm. That, that encourage an ecosystem. Mm. So my emphasis is on the word ecosystem, right? And, and we can talk about that a bit more. We can talk about creating a government venture ecosystem with universities included that lets that flourish. Mm. I, I think one thing that we need to touch on is Obviously, the, the world is an unsteady place um, currently. We have things happening in Ukraine. Uh, we have things happening uh, on, on the West Bank, in Gaza, and all other places. When you look at these geopolitical events, uh, what impact uh, on global business and society do you discuss in the, in the book that relates to these uh, issues? Yeah. When we were writing the book, Ukraine was a key focus, yeah. right? Who would have predicted what would have happened after right. that, yeah. right? Uh, what really, if you think about this geopolitical space, it gives us pause. We have to reflect, right? And we have to reflect not just on um, how can I have an impact to what can I do about it, mm -hmm. right? It's that action piece that we need to think about. Uh, now, there's a huge focus on technology. What's the role of AI? How is that shifting in that global technology landscape and yeah. so forth? Yeah. We hear about the U.S. restricting uh, chip access and design access, design access to China. Mm -hmm. uh, but China had that model all along when yeah. they created the Great Firewall uh, in that. So, so in other words, technology has become, no pun intended, the proverbial geopolitical chip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so in which we we are fighting these proxy battles yeah. in that. Uh, so the world has changed. Technology is changing every day, and what we want and in this book to think about is uh, how can we harness the power of entrepreneurs, right? What are entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs are creative problem solvers, mm, mm. right? They are. I wouldn't say risk takers. They're moderate risk takers. They're calculated risk takers, right? Mm. And when you combine this... And they're so driven. That's right. It's not just the passion, mm. but it's the, the uh, I would say, the doggedness yeah. behind that mission, yeah. right? If you take that as problem solving and then put them to work on public good problems, mm. that's, that's when we're going to make progress. Mm -mm. Okay. Final question. Uh, Final question for this segment. This book links uh, the importance of liberal democracy to the success of the Venture Meets Mission model. Or, or how or why is that a key factor? <laughs> that, that's a fantastic question. Creativity and innovation flourish 
when there is freedom to think and act. Right. Right. If we take that, uh, it's easy for us to vilify governments. It's easy for us to say liberal democracies don't work. Right. It's the same as a man sitting under the shade of a tree uh, questioning the view in front of him, saying that a tree is blocking it. Right. right? So, so for us, a liberal democracy, um, people talk about the word liberal meaning lots of things, but the, the original idea behind a liberal democracy means the freedom to think and act, the robustness of civil institutions such as representation, uh, uh, justice, rule of law, and the limits to the power of government. Mm. So a liberal democracy means a government that is curtailed, an individual who's empowered, and the stability of social institutions, right? Now you see trust breaking down mm. because these fundamental principles of liberal democracy are getting frayed. Right, hold that thought. Uh, folks, I'm still here in the studio with Professor Jerry George. Of course, we are discussing the book uh, Venture Meets Mission. He is one of the co-authors. Now, we're going to be taking a short break here on Resource Center. It is your one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Breaking Financial Matters, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Resource Center. It's our final piece here, our final talk set. It is the one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. I'm Rich Bradbury. I've been speaking with Professor Gerard George, the co-author of Venture Meets Mission, to share more about the book and why it's an important read for leaders and organizations of all sizes. It sounds absolutely fascinating, uh, Jerry, and you've got me hooked so far, right? Now, we obviously have more to talk about, but I only have a finite amount of time, and I think I've got four or five questions for you. Let's talk about critical societal problems, and what do you identify in your book as opportunities for these mission-driven ventures You know, that are critical societal problems? Yeah. You're right, uh, Richard. Everything around us needs fixing. Yes. Right. So we have to prioritize some sectors where we think this could really work. Yes. Right. And the the premise that we want to go on is which sectors can we combine the power of innovation or ideas mm. and the scale yeah. for positive impact. Right. So that's the the thing. And if you look at that. Coming out of uh, the pandemic and so forth, you think of biomanufacturing and biotech. Now, anything you touch on climate, yeah. um, food security, yeah. food innovation yeah. in terms of alternate proteins uh, and so forth, agri-tech, how can we improve plant yields, mm. how can we preserve uh, soil capability, uh, how can we reduce water usage in mm. agriculture, any of these things uh, become important. You think of sustainability, we our old adage of reduce, reuse, recycle, well, it's not enough anymore, right? right? Yeah. So we talk about circular supply chains. Yeah. We talk about uh, materials, alternate materials that we have, uh, uh, cleaning up oceans, plastic, and all of those things. That, that creates new spaces where ventures can work with governments in cleaning up waterways and mm -hmm. so forth, right? Health and biomedical, always uh, an evergreen area yeah. because technology is changing. People's health problems are also changing. Yeah. Issues such as uh, 
diabetes and things like that. Uh, we've got new causes to, to that. And how can we uh, monitor health? How can we personalize uh, uh, solutions for, for individuals and so forth? Health and biomedical, always evergreen. More recently, cybersecurity and intelligence, right? <laughs> it's right on the top of the news right that, now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and, of course, when we think of digital, we think of AI mm. and, and all the technologies that, mm. uh, that come with AI, mm. right? So, so we've got these set of sectors that we think that's going to impact the way we live. And that's the, the way to think about mm. it. What is changing about the way we live, the food we eat, the air we breathe, and how can we position entrepreneurship within that context? Mm. It's no longer just, you know, small problems to solve. These are fundamental big issues because regardless of how you look at it, AI and its impact on society currently is going to be huge. You know, That's amongst right. other things. That's right. Yeah, it's about employment. It's about skill. Everything. Everything yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it's going to change how we think of sectors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, so uh, sorry to sort of dig- digress from your no, point. Please do. Um, if you think of individuals mm. and how we train the the kid who's coming out of high school now has got 70 years or 60 years of working life ahead of him or her. I thought right? you were going to say debt, but <laughs> it's about the same. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think of 60 or 70 years as a skill set, mm, mm. then the way we teach is fundamentally changing, mm, mm. right? It's, it's no longer just focusing on the functional content, but it's also how we learn. Mm. Now you extrapolate that into how individuals think of their careers, right? Earlier, we used to say, you can go to this industry and just develop that industry knowledge, right? So let's pick one. You, you, you should go to the finance sector and stay in finance, and that's how you're going to become good over time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, or you could also think of what I call horizontals. I, I'm a production manager and I'm going to stay in production all the time, right? So it, if you put both of these things together, sort of horizontal sort of areas like production, finance, marketing, or whatever, those skills on the left axis, and on the y axis, you put industries, right? So you get like uh, whichever industry. You get like a checkerboard, right? What we say in the book, is don't focus on one sector or one skill. Find your diagonal. Mm. Make sure that you are building skills across the checkerboard, Mm. right? Because people who make a big difference in the world aren't ones who stick with one vertical. I'm glad you said that, because now I feel as though I fit in somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, Now, when we come to talk about business. And you started off a little bit earlier on, you kind of briefly touched on this. There are people who enter the business world for one reason or another. There are some that purely want to profit. There are some that want to make a difference. When it comes to that balance uh, of balancing profit and, and social impact, how do you suggest that businesses can affect that balance? So I'm glad you brought this up. Um, If I were to Sorry to correct you a bit. It's not about balance at all. Mm. That's what we do now. We try to balance. We think that if I have a profit motive, 
I can't pursue a mission motive, gotcha. right? Yeah. What we are doing is a reset on the mind. Yeah, we are right. saying that we have to create a deep shift in how we think of social problems itself as opportunities. To say, I'm going to create a fantastic growth business by solving a fundamental social problem. Right. Okay. I have two more questions. Uh, sorry, three more questions. Insights uh, on uh, public-private pri partnerships. Yeah. So PPPs, mm -hmm. where uh, public-private partnerships, uh, were a 1960s and 70s term, right? When we needed lots of in investment in infrastructure development. Right? That's how it started, that yeah. concept. 50 years later, it's, it's provi providing a useful function, but it's not fit for purpose anymore. The mm -hmm. world has changed. So now we suggest in our book that we have to start thinking about a government venture ecosystem or a specific type of government venture arrangements. We discuss different models where, where the government controls less to where the government controls more. And, but it has to give entrepreneurs autonomy to come up with their own solutions to how to solve the problem, right? So PPPs are very structured arrangements. Government venture arrangements, we say, there are a whole host of them we talk in the book, should be a lot more flexible, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What that flexibility allows it for, is for governments to be more agile so that they can implement solutions faster for their constituents. Okay. I have two more questions. Now, in what ways do you and the book propose businesses or companies harness this power of collective purpose for societal benefit? I, I love that term, of course. What, what are the key takeaways? So first, I want to say it's not just for young people. Right. Right. Because there is a sort of a false pretense when we say, oh, the next generation can do this. It's not about the next generation. It's every generation should be thinking about it. So mm -hmm. it's all of us. Mm -hmm. Here are the few takeaways. Let's move from thinking to doing. Right. Idealism without action is useless. Yes. <laughs> Let's focus it's on action. <laughs> Let's focus on action, right? Yeah, yeah. We can and should be changing the world as entrepreneurs. Mm. What we said in the book is a new standard for us to think about the entrepreneur's role in society. Mm. The generation of entrepreneurs, the coming generation of entrepreneurs already see money as a byproduct rather than the goal itself, yeah. right? Yeah. We need to edify that. We need to celebrate that. I'd say people first mission always. I love that. Final question then. Um, and it's a fairly obvious answer, I think. Uh, lastly, would you recommend this book to be given out to all employees of an organization? Uh, absolutely. We want to instill this idea of being entrepreneurial, mm. to think beyond ourselves. Our assumption in this book is that everybody is an entrepreneur. Mm. In whichever way, work that you do, or even the roles that we play, you having a family is an entrepreneurial endeavor, yeah. right? Yeah. You manage within budget. You take certain risks. You make yeah. calls on the future, yeah. Yeah. right? That's what entrepreneurship is. Mm. So all of us are being entrepreneurial. Now, what we want to do is then shift that discussion from individual purpose to collective purpose or mission, mm. right? How do we galvanize our teams to think about mission, mm. that the work that we do has meaning for us individually because it makes a difference in the world. So I want to say at the end of the day, 
we need to restore trust in the societal fabric, right? But we need to do that urgently. Mm-hmm. One important way that we talk about in that book is how do we harness the power of entrepreneurship or being entrepreneurial wherever you are with the scale and problems of government, bringing these ideas together to make a truly better and fairer world for all of us. Professor Jerry, that was fascinating. Thank you very much for spending the time with me today. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. That was, of course, Professor Gerard George, the co-author of Venture Meets Mission, sharing more about the book and why it's an important read for leaders and organizations of all sizes. You have been listening, of course, to the newly revamped Resource Center, your one-stop shop for strategies, tactics, and tools to better build, scale, and manage your business. If you did miss any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search for Resource Center. I'm Rich Bradbury. This has been Resource Center. Up next is Enterprise Explores. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 